Good morning, everyone. That was a little bit weak. Uh, I think even people online said it more than you. So here we go. Good morning, everyone. There we go. That's much better. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Pastor John and I were just uh, laughing a little bit here. We, 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 in the announcements, when we make, uh, you know, welcome those who are visiting us, we say, you know, go to the back to get your free gift. That's a very redundant statement. It's not like we're going to say, hey, we've got a gift for you, but it's going to cost you five bucks, right? You know, it's, it's the gift by implication is free. So uh, we say that it's uh, totally redundant. So sorry, that's just that weird sort of thing that gets in my brain and I can't get it out until I say it. Now I don't have to worry about thinking about it anymore today. Uh, it really is great to have each one of you uh, here with us at Life Church. Uh, before I go any further, I'd like to uh, just couple, draw your attention to a couple things. Number one is the uh, One Day to Feed the World, the uh, offering for next week. And as Pastor John said, um, just prayerfully consider how you can participate. Uh, the basic idea is that we take uh, one day's wage, what do we earn in one day of working? Uh, so the way to do that is you take your total amount that you earn during the year. Uh, we typically work about 240 days. So take your total amount, divide it by 240, and you're going to get roughly what you make in a day. And so the challenge would be my one day's wage, right, uh, changes there every day. And uh, that certainly is the goal that we look for. If you're able to do that, fantastic. If you're not able to do it, uh, we know that every gift makes a difference. And a Convoy of Hope is an incredible ministry. It's Christ-centered, and everything points back to the local church. Um, Convoy of Hope works with around the world, and so make sure uh, you come next week ready to give uh, for that, and we're looking forward as our own family being able to give. Uh, secondly, um, Veterans Day always falls on November 11th, and uh, when it falls on a Wednesday, it's kind of in, in this in-between world, and so uh, today, just wanted to take a moment and to recognize and to thank those who are veterans uh, who are also a part of Life Church Utah. If you are a veteran and have served in any uh, one of the branches of our military, can I, can I uh, have you go ahead and stand to your feet really quickly? We just want to honor you and thank you. For those who have served, thank you. Thank you. Thank you up, up in the balcony. Thank you so much. It's because of your service that we're able to do what we do here and, uh, and still worship. And we know even with restrictions and things like that, uh, your sacrifice of time, uh, your sacrifice, the things that you have seen that you'll never unsee, I mean, all of that, uh, really, we're able to do, we are beneficiaries of what you have done and what you've accomplished. And so thank you uh, for your service to our country and uh, really appreciate each one of you. I've got, my, uh, I've got family members who have served and uh, knowing uh, uh, what they have uh, done and the training they've gone through and some of them have had seen uh, live combat and uh, I mean, just the toll that it takes and all that. So thank you for your service. Really, really mean that from the bottom of our heart here at Life Church, uh, Utah. So we're continuing our series, uh, hashtag for the, I don't know why I say hashtag in front of you, you don't have to do that, but hashtag uh, for the valleys, hashtag uh, for the valleys. And uh, uh, I, th this, is, this is our heart on display uh, for Life Church Utah. This is us. And uh, thank you, uh, Life Church, for exemplifying uh, many of these in your own lives already and looking forward to us uh, pursuing what it looks like uh, for us to have these core values within us. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be spending some time there uh, this morning. So Mark chapter 5, you've got your Bibles, you've got your smart devices. Make sure you uh, uh, grab those and uh, take a look at the Bible app or other uh, apps that are out there. So it was uh, just a few days before this, and you'll find out what this is in just a moment. Just a few days before this, 
that Jesus and the disciples were on a boat making their way across uh, the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, in the way that it's uh, kind of the uh, surrounding geography is, uh, storms can happen very, very quickly. Air comes from the highlands, uh, highlands of uh, Israel, and that, that colder air mixes with the warmer air from kind of the really low areas of Israel, and big storms can crop up very quickly. And even though the Sea of Galilee is a, a relatively small body of water, uh, they knew it was pretty dangerous at times. And so, uh, sure enough, they make their way out onto the uh, Sea of Galilee, and a storm crops up, and the disciples are filled with fear. Uh, They're wondering, you know, what can we do? We're all going to die. They feel like the boat's getting swamped. And uh, Jesus, who was on this boat with them, uh, I love it. They have like a come to Jesus moment, right? <laughs> Literally with Jesus uh, in, this, uh, in this boat. And it says that Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves obey. And out of this chaotic moment, Jesus brings peace and calm. How many of you have some chaos going in your life? right? Anybody? All right. Yeah. All around us in our culture, around us, uh, election still not sure. I mean, all of those things like that, chaos is around us and we need Jesus to speak. And so they were amazed that even nature uh, would respond to Jesus. In place of fear, Jesus responded with generous hope, right? He spoke to their need. He spoke directly to the fears that they had and said, no, 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 no. The storm's not going to get you. It's going to be okay. In the middle of the storm, I'm going to provide calm. So there was this moment that the world began. And if you go back to the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 1, and, and hopefully you have read Genesis, it's a fantastic book, but it tells us uh, the beginnings, right? That's, that's where it gets its name, Genesis, the beginnings. And what we find out there is that in the beginning, um, there's another chaotic experience. As uh, the author of Genesis is uh, writing this down, says that the earth is formless and void and there is really chaos around, yet the spirit of God is hovering over these waters. And it's in the midst of this chaos that God speaks. And out of the chaos, creation springs. And I love this about our God is that his voice is powerful, <laughs> it is strong, and no matter the chaos, if God could tame creation, right, and create this, uh, I think that God's got your problems uh, well figured out. So to this chaos, God speaks and creation responded. Uh, Walter Brueggemann is a uh, Old Testament scholar, and this is what he writes. I'm going to read kind of directly what he uh, writes here. I uh, found it really fascinating. He said, the Bible starts out with a liturgy of abundance, Genesis 1 is a song of praise for God's generosity. It tells how well the world is ordered. It keeps saying, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. One, two, three, four, five. It is good. And then he gets to day six and creation says, it is very good, right? This is God at work. It is good. And it declares that God blesses. That is, creation is endowed with vitality. The plants and animals and fish and birds and humankind, and it paint, uh, pictures the creator as saying, be fruitful and multiply. Everything in its kind is to multiply the overflowing goodness that pours from God's creator spirit. As you know, the creation ends in Sabbath. 
So there's six days of work, and then the seventh day, the Bible says that God rested. It's, it's kind of like God is so overrun with fruitfulness, and God says, I have got to take a break. <laughs> this is crazy amount of work, and I just need to rest at this time and maybe step out of the office. How many of you need some rest uh, from time to time? That's a good thing. God himself rested, right? So you better rest as well from time to time. So it's an act of generosity and abundance when God creates. You realize this. God didn't have to. God did not have to. God is complete in himself. God is God. He needs nothing else. That is really by definition, that's what God is. Totally complete. And yet, in generosity and love, he created. He breathed life into the first humans. And we now are a direct result of God's generosity. Matter of fact, do this. Uh, take a deep breath through your masks, as uncomfortable as that is, <laughs> right? Take a deep breath, right? That breath is the generosity of God. Feel your heart beating. That's the generosity of God. This morning, I got here early and watched uh, the sun trying to peek through the clouds coming up, and it was beautiful sunrise, sort of. You couldn't see the sun, but uh, the, si- the sun was signing. The sun was signing. <laughs> First time I've ever made a mistake like that. Uh, the sun was shining, and, and it was shining under the clouds and over the mountains, really created this really beautiful moment uh, there. That's a generous creation of God. So it's an act of generosity and abundance when God creates. He didn't have to. And Jesus, on the boat, expressed that same kind of generosity. Right There was fear, and into that fear, Jesus spoke because Jesus does this kind of thing. So as as they made their way across the lake, and if you go there in uh, Mark chapter 5, there's more going on here. I'm kind of leaving out a section in the middle here. But they make their way back across the lake after doing some uh, some ministry on the other side. So they make their way back across. The crowds find out about Jesus. This is what happens uh, whenever Jesus is around. The crowds try to follow. And um, they get to the other side, and The crowd is pressing in, and another guy is beginning to realize that the calm waters that were part of his family are now in chaos. And this guy, his name is Jairus, and he's the leader of of the synagogue. And things were pretty calm in his household until something happened with his daughter. Happens to be a 12-year-old daughter. And now in its place of calmness is fear. I'm sure he called the doctors, but all is futile. It turns out uh, that she was near death. And as only a father can do or a parent can do, in desperation for their child, uh, nothing is going to stand in his way to find an answer. He's at the end of his ropes, his desperation. And he has to reach out to Jesus. He heard that Jesus was in the area. Now, he's a synagogue ruler. And if you know anything about the New Testament, there were times when uh, the things that Jesus said and did were at odds with what the synagogue's rulers wanted him to say and do. And so the synagogue ruler took a chance. It's called faith, <laughs> right, on Jesus. Verse, chapter 5, verse 22, then one of the synagogue el- uh, rulers named Jairus came up, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He asked him urgently, my little daughter is near death. Come and lay your hands on her so she may be healed and live. Those are words of faith. Jesus 
went with him. Do you think Jesus was busy doing other things? Yeah, he had a crowd. He had a a purpose. He was going somewhere, and yet he stopped and generously gave of himself to this desperate dad. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So this dad bears his soul, his hurt, his despair, and Jesus responds. The one who calmed the storm when he was on the Sea of Galilee might be ready to be calming another storm in the life of this family. So remember this crowd is pressing in. And the story continues as they're on their way to Jairus' house that another woman is in a position where she is also sick. The Bible uh, describes her as having an issue of blood. And uh, in her own life, in in, uh, the religious setting of the time, she was unclean. Nobody should have been around her, and she certainly should not have been around other people because uh, there was a ritual uncleanness to her. She was bringing impurity to everybody that she was around. So people didn't want her to be around. They probably knew that she was unclean, having come from that town. She's in chaos. The Bible says that she had spent everything she had trying to find a cure, and yet none of it worked in her life. Mark chapter 5, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she kept saying, I mean, this is the desperation, right? She kept saying, if only I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she kept saying it. So she's repeating this over and over again as she's making her way, elbowing her way through the crowd, right? Creating this uncleanness around her. If I only touch his clothes, I will be healed. It says that once the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that the power had gone out from him and a bit of a conversation happens and at the very end it says this, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Into the chaos, Jesus speaks hope. Jesus speaks generous creation again because Jesus does this kind of thing. (laughs) This is Jesus we're talking about. Continue the story, um, verse 35. While he was still speaking, so while he's proclaiming, you know, hope and peace and healing over this woman, while he's still speaking, people came from the synagogue ruler's house. Think of the, the, uh, boy, the bookends to this. Here's this one lady rejoicing in her healing, and now all of a sudden, here come these, uh, these other people from synagogue ruler's house saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? The chaos just got real in the life of this dad. The heartache, but Jesus, paying no attention to what was said, sometimes, folks, you gotta just, Don't pay attention (laughs) to some of these reports that we're getting, right? Uh, Jesus said, paying no attention to what was said, told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples on the boat. Don't be afraid. He says, just believe. So the chaos is crescendo. The hope is lost How can it change now? But think about in your own life, has there ever been a circumstance where you've been longing to hear God say to you, don't be afraid? Some of you right now, this is that moment. Don't be afraid. And I believe God speaks loudly in moments like this, in moments of chaos. These are the words given to us believe there's something else on the horizon. 
The story continues. He took the child's father and mother and his own companions and went into the room where the child was. Then, gently taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. The girl got up at once, began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were completely astonished at this. Why is it that when Jesus uh, does what Jesus does that we're astonished? We're astonished by it. And yet, Jesus does this kind of a thing. This is what Jesus does. Everywhere Jesus goes, the world is rearranged. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor are freed from debt. Jesus left ordinary people dazzled and amazed and grateful. And this is what it means to be like Jesus. To be generous with the words that we give. Generous with the heart of God expressed through us. And that's the reason why God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. This is who we are, and I hope this is who we are not only as a body of believers, but this is who we are, right, as individuals that God has called each one of us. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 1 uh, says, uh, Paul was writing, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I know every single week I've been kind of hammering on this point uh, here as we go through this um, in, in talking about this, but I don't think we can hear it enough. We imitate Jesus Christ. We need to know what he does and act like him and be like him ourselves. And so for Life Church Utah and for us as individuals, uh, that really shows up as a commitment to biblical truth. We heard that a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the Bible comes alive every time you read it. Next thing we do is innovate ministry to reach the next generation. Remember the ice skates, right? Opportunities for us to kind of uh, present a moment to, to intrigue someone about who Jesus is. Last week, we talked about intentional love of others, those inside the body of Christ, and then also, and probably uh, some ways more importantly, right, outside the body of Christ. How do we get Jesus to the world around us? Today, we're talking about radical generosity, and next week, talk about developing healthy relationships. So the Bible, from its first pages to to its last, is a picture of God's generosity. From creation in in Genesis to a new creation in Revelation, God is at work. The thing is, remember, he doesn't have to. He didn't have to give us any of this. Didn't have to bring any of us into existence, and yet he did. That is the generosity of God. So generosity, we know, is more than finances. And while uh, finances is certainly part of the picture, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments, um, it involves all of us. Generosity does every bit of our lives. Generosity is this heart of abundance that God is more than enough. You realize that God is more than enough for anything you've got going on in your life. God is more than enough. God is more than enough. No matter what's happened, God is more than enough. But we humans, we get nervous. We wonder in our own strength, will it be enough? We get our eyes off of God and we look to ourselves and we realize a storm is crashing in around us and we know we're not enough. But God's generosity is poured out through his spirit into us. Note Jesus' life, when he was busy, he was generous with his time. And he was tired, as he got from time to time. He was generous with himself to separate out, 
right? And to be able to be refreshed. So it's okay to take, how many of you need a little bit of time, right? A little bit of time to yourself, right? There are times we need that because the world presses in so much around us. When Jesus was pressed in by crowds and expectations, he was generous to meet the needs of the hurting. This is what we are to do. Another expression of our generosity to Christ, our generosity to God, is our worship, right? We've only sung two songs today. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet this morning. We're gonna sing a couple more songs and then uh, get to uh, the rest of the the message. Uh, But this is our generous expression of praise to him. Remember, right, take that deep breath. This is all God's anyway, and so every breath that we have should be praise to our God. Every breath that we take should be praise to our creator, and so we return it to him through our worship. Let's worship the Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free. And my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you're our living hope your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord sing Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flow and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence. 
Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, your glory. God is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just one word, and you calm the storm that surrounds me. And just one word, the darkness has to retreat. And just one touch, and I feel the presence of heaven. And just one touch. My eyes were open to see, my heart can help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word, you hear what's broken inside me. Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. 
There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall we can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. We say, oh, 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 oh. There's nothing our God can't do. You can go ahead and be seated. Um, so generosity is every bit of our life. We saw that pictured in Jesus, his time, uh, the efforts that he made. I mean, he gave himself ultimately. But we know that uh, generosity also involves our finances. And sometimes we talk about this, we, we have this, this tendency to uh, want to hold on to our stuff. Right, I got that same tendency, right? I want, I mean, I've earned it. I work hard, right? You know, whatever it is. And this is my money. But just like every breath we take, every move we make, I'll be watching. No. <laughs> every breath we take, every move we make, right? It's all God's anyway. Everything that we earn is all God's anyway. So I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to the screens here just a second. Um, when we start talking about money, I'm, I'm so grateful for this testimony because it's hard to talk about generosity. It's hard to talk about it, but I believe that uh, Tommy and Carrie Dean do a great job of kind of expressing the heart of God and kind of the nuance and some of the challenges associated with how do you, uh, how do you wrestle with this in your own life. Turn your attention to the screens, please. From the age of... 14 and a half is whenever I got my first job. Um, it was, you know, you pay your tithe first, and then after that, you are generous with what else you have. Since I've been a follower, I was making $4.25 an hour, and not only did I pay my tithe, but I also felt 
blessed enough that I had a missions payment each month. I don't have the finances to be a generous giver monetarily. You give in other ways. And so my parents, like we, with our time, we were very generous with our time. There are these principles in the Bible that are there. Um, it's not a secret that you, you, when you give, whatever it is, you're gonna get it back. I was taught again early on, um, you give to get to give again. It's a cycle. It's not meant to stop with you getting what it is back. But we can look back and see that as we've been faithful with giving our time, we actually spend more time together now than we have our entire marriage. Such a powerful principle that I really believe it exists outside of even a belief in God. There are plenty of philanthropists out there and um, people that understand this outside of a religious context too. Um, and that sort of helps because it sort of says that there are things in the world and in the universe that work to lead you back to God if you'll let it. My, my perspective has shifted from being the receiving end to the giving end. My daughter is radically generous at the age of seven, like wants to give away everything that she owns to the neighbor kids. And trying to also be an encourager, I don't wanna discourage them and constantly be like, no, because then I'm hampering what God is telling them to do. It's me learning that it's not my place to say whether or not they're going to like the gift that's being given. It's me trying to foster her and help her and encourage her to be generous with what she has. And sometimes that means that I have to take five minutes out of my day to walk around the block to give someone a gift that in my mind seems silly, but in her mind is like the most precious thing that she has to give. You can be generous at all times, but if it's not God's will for us to be generous at that moment, then we're stealing a blessing from someone else. And so for me, it's always a, well, is this something that God is telling me to do? Or is this something that I personally feel like I want to do? But on the balance of things, you can take that and really twist it and use it as an excuse to never give either. And so you can only do that if you're really tuned in and you really understand. And like what Pastor Alfred says, he says, I have one sandwich. The only question is, who do I give it to? It's not, I don't have two sandwiches, so I don't have to worry about giving two sandwiches. I only have one sandwich. That's what God has given me. I, I mean, I guess the less, the overall lesson, whether you're thinking about time, talent, or uh, money is, God's going to try to stretch you in the area that you're the weakest at. I mean, I think that's just his general way of operating to begin with. And when he starts to do that, the tendency is to shrink back and to really protect it even more when the reality is to say, no, I'm just going to push into it. Giving has taught me humility in the fact that, you know, growing up, I never... I never had much. We gave time more than we gave money. And so now that we're here, where we are today, and we are radically generous, it's very hard. I struggle with the humility part.
part of it. And I try not to forget where I came from to continue the radical blessing is that I've been on that end and I know how it feels and I know like paying for kids to go to camp, I was that person. And so it's important to me to remember that lives can be changed. And so I'm just trying to maintain and not ever let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. And so I want people to be able to experience the love of God and be able to say, God did this for me. And it wasn't like, oh, Tommy and Carrie did this for me. Because ultimately, I can't be people's saviors. Only God can do that. And if I can, if I can be that vessel for someone, then, then I want to do that. We we are not here to save everybody on the earth. We're here to call to give our one sandwich, and that's all we can do. I love as part of that story, um, their generosity, right, which means our generosity, has the opportunity to lead people to Jesus. That's what makes all of this worth it, right? I mean, we're not in it for ourselves. We're in it to say, okay, God, we want to be generous because there are people that need to know you. Uh, There's a uh, story as we close out here. Mark chapter 12, so a few chapters away from where we were reading earlier. Uh, Jesus finds himself in the temple area, and uh, he and his disciples are, are there, And Jesus sets him, you know, he kind of sits across from where the offering is being given. And so Jesus is watching as people come by. Uh, There are crowds there to worship. Uh, People are uh, bringing their sacrifices as well as bringing financial gifts uh, there. Verse 41 of Mark chapter 12 says, Then he sat down opposite the offering box and watched the crowd putting coins into it. Many rich people were throwing in large amounts. Probably making a scene out of it, right? <laughs> Look at us, you know, and all that stuff. And so they were throwing, throwing large amounts. It says, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth less than a penny. He called his disciples. This is just amazing to me. He called his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the offering box than all the others. On the outside, she didn't, right? On the outside, she gave less than a penny. But God saw generosity on display and it caught the attention of Jesus Christ who saw that, knew her circumstances, maybe somehow supernaturally knew everything about right in that moment. And she, he said, gave everything says, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in what she had to live on, everything she had. What a picture of generosity. So what does that look like for us? How do we give all that we have? Well, pastor, that's a bit radical. <laughs> yep. And I'm pointing the finger back to myself, okay? I don't have all this figured out yet either, okay? Um, 
But this is that picture, right? This captured the heart of God was a woman who gave everything that she had because she knew that God was her source. She knew that God was her sustenance. And there she was in worship, giving all that she had. I love that Jesus noticed he was drawn to her gift because it's a picture of his own gift of life, the generous giving of everything. And I think he saw in her a kindred heart. So does God see in us a kindred heart of generosity? Life Church, we have to be a generous church. We have to be radically generous because we never know when the generosity of this church is going to lead people to Jesus Christ. We've got that feeding of a, you know, a thousand meals coming up. That's generous. That's wonderful. But what more can we do? What are other ways that we can be generous? But I'm here to tell you that it starts with each one of you, right? That's where the generosity starts. You are the body of Christ. This church would not be here without you as the body of Christ, so every gift counts. You might feel like, Pastor, I can't give X amount of dollars. It doesn't matter. It's the sacrifice, right? That equal sacrifice that we give and we say, okay, God, this is my generous gift to you. Because when we give generously to God, the world is impacted because the world loses its impact on us. Let me say that again. When we give generously to God, the world is impacted because the world loses its impact on us. Look at your checkbook. What's the world impact upon your finances? You want it to lose impact? Let's give generously to what God is doing. Uh, my, I don't use a checkbook anymore. I, have last time, I cannot remember the last time I wrote a check. We say checkbook, right? Uh, look at your online register that you can download your transactions in real time, okay? You can look at them, right? And you can see where, is your, where are your finances going? Where is your generosity going? Mine reflects Starbucks, unfortunately, at times, <laughs> right? Sometimes eating out too often, uh, you know, stuff like that, inconsequential things. What if we revisited our budgets? What if we revisited and purposefully said, God, we're going to be generous in our finances towards you? Uh, C.S. Lewis said this when he was having a discussion with someone about tithe. He said, I don't believe one can settle on how much we ought to give, I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Sometimes we think we're generous when we give spare change, and that might be generous in certain circumstances. Uh, but I love what C.S. Lewis said there. I believe it's probably, it's, uh, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. That's generosity. And I want us to be a generous church. You see, Jesus gave, creating hope in the chaos. He's the one who speaks and the storms are calm. He's the one who speaks and healings happen. He's the one who is just touched and lives are transformed. Uh, Jesus does this kind of thing. And it should be said of us, or can it be said of us, that we do this kind of thing, right? That we are generous with our lives. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. And so this should be our lives as well. That of radical, joyful, abundant generosity. This should mark Life Church Utah, but it has to start with us as individuals. Life Church Utah will not be generous abundantly and all of that stuff without the people of God who make up Life Church Utah, without, without it starting with you. So, Father God, I thank you for this, uh, this morning. God, I'm grateful for this congregation. 
And Father, I know, Lord, at least in my own heart, God, that there's a desire, um, Lord, a hunger within me to be more generous. But God, help me to remember that, God, when I leave from here today. Help me to remember that, God, when I want my next coffee. Help me remember that, God, when I want to eat out. Help me to remember that, God, so that I, I, um, I'm, um, I work my life in such a way, God, is that I am generous on purpose. God, that there's a choice of generosity just like your choice to go to the cross for our sins, to set us free from sin. Father, I'm grateful for the generosity of this congregation. Lord, many that serve so faithfully week after week after week, God. So many that give generously, Lord, and give abundantly, Lord. Not necessarily the size of the gift, but Lord, there is a heart behind it like the heart of this widow who gave everything, God. There was an abundance and a generosity in her heart because she knew everything came from you anyway. Father, thank you for our breath. Thank you for our life. Thank you, God, for answering our prayers. Thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you, God, for transforming our lives. Thank you for filling us with your spirit. Lord, all of these are your generosity poured out on us. So Lord, help us to be generous to the world around us and generous to one another within the body of Christ. Lord, I pray you would guide us. Lord, I ask you to give us boldness to walk with you every step that we take when we leave from this building. And Lord, help us to represent you well in this world around us. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, don't forget, next week we'll be finishing up our series. And if you wanna sign up to help out with the uh, distribution of, the, uh, of those thousand meals, please make your way out into the lobby. We'd love to have you sign up. God bless you. Thank you so much.